Now, um, the background, a little bit of background to this story is um, it comes in a time when the historic people of Jesus, the Jews, had been kicked out of Israel. Um, God punished them for their disobedience. And they sort of trickled back in, and now they were back into Israel, but it wasn't ideal. They were under Roman occupation, and they were still waiting for their Messiah, their Christ, to rescue them. It also occurred in a time when marriage was treated much more seriously than it is today. And if you were caught with a baby but not a husband, you would have been in very serious trouble. So, our story begins here. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. Mary, the Lord's mother, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph was a righteous man, but he didn't want Mary to be subjected to public disgrace. So he thought, I'll just put her away quietly. Now, while he was thinking about this, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, Behold, a virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from his dream, he did exactly as the angel said. He took Mary home to be his wife, but they had no union until she had given birth to a son, and he called the son Jesus. Apparently, fact-checking is the way to know if something is true or whether it's misinformation or disinformation these days. What would the fact-checkers say about a virgin being pregnant in Israel 2,000 years ago? I can tell you what they say about Santa. They say Santa defies the laws of physics. He has to deliver 92 million presents in 31 hours traveling at 3,000 times the speed of sound, given the weight of Santa's sleigh, all the gifts that he's carrying, his own body mass, and the reindeers, he would have to accelerate at roughly uh, 17,500 times the force of gravity, which means he would explode in (laughs) 0.4 seconds. Actually, four, four thousandths of a second. But what would Snopes, the fact-checkers, say about Mary getting pregnant? I'll tell you what I think. It's impossible. Virgins don't get pregnant, except with IVF nowadays, but by the regular method, virgins cannot be pregnant. And my aim today is not to convince you that virgins can be pregnant. My aim today, today is to convince you that only one virgin ever got pregnant, which was impossible, and yet still real, because God did something impossible. The story that we just heard is of one man, Joseph. We could call him Jesus' stepfather, I guess. Uh, And he is what I would call a reasonable skeptic. 
his fiancée comes home one day after she's been away for three months visiting her cousin Elizabeth. And uh, jo Joseph discovers that she's pregnant. I think sometimes we miss how that must have sounded to Joseph because we're so familiar with the story. Can you imagine if you just retell the events in your head that Mary comes back after three months and, I don't know, with Joseph sees the bump or whether she tells him, but she says, Joseph, we need to chat. I'm pregnant. And Joseph asks, oh dear, who's the father? Mary replies, God. It's not an easy story to believe. Um, there was one thing that Joseph knew for sure, without a shadow of a doubt. What's that? He was not the father. Joseph knew that for sure. And his decision to put her away quietly is the best of several bad options. The worst option in his mind is for Mary to be subjected to public disgrace. He could go public and say, wasn't me, in which case she quite possibly could be stoned at worst. At best, she'll be ostracised and unmarried for the rest of her life. A less bad option than that, but still a bad option, would be for Joseph to get married to her. And then he would be subject to public disgrace because people would think he'd done the deed and now he's getting married to her. In the end, that's what he chose. But it was only after he had been convinced by an angel that Mary's story was true. And this is his journey from reasonable scepticism to convicted faith that indeed Mary was giving birth to the saviour of the world. And we're going to look at that uh, transition, that journey of his. Um, but for the moment, what we, what we want to see is that this event, this virgin birth, is a unique event. It's unique because God is doing a one-off. This is a one-time only virgin birth. It's not the beginning of many virgin births. On the 27th of November, Elon Musk announced something that everyone thought was impossible. His company drove a fully laden truck 500 miles on battery power. And uh, before doing that, Daimler had said, it's impossible, it defies all the laws of physics. But Elon Musk went ahead and did it anyway. And after he did it, did it Daimler had to repent of their unbelief in Elon Musk. Um, but it wasn't a unique event. At least it won't be a unique event, will it? It's just a technical revolution. He was the first one to do it, but he won't be the last one to do it. And that event is nothing like the birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus is a one-time only, never occurred before and never to be repeated again. And the reason for that is that it's because God is doing this unique event he is bringing Jesus into the world to save us from our sins, and that is a unique mission. And we're going to look at Jesus' nature in a second. Jesus has a unique nature. So this is a unique event because of Jesus' unique mission and because of Jesus' unique nature. So Jesus' mission. 
the angel tells Joseph to give him the name Jesus. And that's just not a nice sounding name. In fact, the word Jesus in Hebrew is Yehoshua. Yah, God, Shu, which saves, Yehoshua, the Lord is salvation. It's not an accidental, just a nice sounding name that they found in the internet's 50 nice names for, to name your boy. The angel says, no, his mission is to save his people from their sins. Therefore, give him the name the Lord saves. That is going to be Jesus' mission. As we heard in the context, God's people had been exiled. They'd been kicked out of Jerusalem for their sins, kicked out of Israel for their sins. And they were waiting for a saviour. And this man, Jesus, is their saviour. But the people of Israel being kicked out of Jerusalem, what has that got to do with us and the whole world? Well, that's kind of a, a microcosm, if you like, of the whole Bible big story. Adam and Eve were also kicked out of the presence of God. They were thrust out of Eden for their disobedience. And ever since then, we have lived outside the garden. We've also been kicked out of the presence of God because of our sin. And Jesus has come to rescue us from that position of being outside of God's favour, outside of God's presence and outside of God's kingdom forever. This is God's means to bring us back by forgiving us for our sins. And ultimately, this will lead to Jesus' death on the cross when he paid the price for our sins so that we can be free and forgiven. I'd like you to notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, give him the name God helps or God advises or God comforts or God heals. Although Jesus may do all of those things, that's not his mission his mission is to save people from their sins. And there are many variations of Christianity today which emphasise incorrectly all of these other aspects of what Jesus did. He was a comforter. God, well, God, Jesus is going to give you a comfortable life. Jesus healed people. Well, Jesus this is a great heal. Those things are true. But that's not his mission. His mission is to save from sin. That's why he was given the name Jesus. It's a unique mission. My name is Gavin, which means white hawk. And uh, Sir Gawain was a knight of the round table who apparently slayed the green knight, some sort of ancient environmental activist, I guess. <laughs> but, um, but my parents did not choose my name because of an angelic visitation in which it was announced that I would slay a green knight or some environmental, anti-environmental mission. Um, they liked the name Gavin and they chose it for me. So it's not connected with my mission in life. But Jesus' name is connected with his mission. His mission is the Lord saves. That's what his name means and that's what he came to do. I don't know to, if, to you if, whether that sounds like good news or bad news, whether that's easier to believe than a virgin birth or not. To me, it's, it's, it's quite surprising, quite astounding in a way that for some people it's harder to believe that God wants to forgive them for their sins than it is to believe in a virgin birth. Because that message, to be honest, it's quite offensive, isn't it? It says, you are a sinner in the eyes of God. 
and you need to be forgiven. And it takes sometimes a miracle of transformation in someone's heart to be able to accept that message from God. Yes, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Friends, let me be clear. I am not calling anyone in this room today a sinner. God is. That's God's declaration about every single one of us. No exceptions. If I sit next to a mass murderer, he and I receive the same declaration from God. Both sinners, both needing forgiveness, and that forgiveness is available in Jesus. That is the good news. It's not bad news that we're sinners. It's just news. It's just the truth. The good news is that Jesus has come to rescue us from that. Brian came up to me earlier and showed me a patch on his hand. He's just had a skin cancer removed from his hand. Imagine if he'd been to the doctor and the doctor had said, you've got skin cancer, but we can remove it. And he'd said, how dare you say I have skin cancer? I'm not a skinner. (laughs) He would be a fool because the doctor understands skin and the doctor cut it out. Well, when God says you're a sinner and you need to be forgiven, friends, don't be upset and call and say to God, how dare you call me a sinner? God knows what sin is. In fact, that is what sin is. God is sin is falling short of the glory of God, it says in another place in the Bible. And God has provided a rescue, that is Jesus. It's not bad news, it's good news. The second part of the story, sorry, the next part of the story is actually not spoken to Joseph. It's for us, the readers or the hearers of this story, when Matthew says all this took place to fulfill what was said through the prophet. That's actually for us. Joseph is already convinced by this point when he hears that his son is going to be the saviour of the world. But we have extra information that wasn't available to Joseph at the time. Matthew says all this took place to fulfill a prophecy that was spoken 550 years before Jesus was born. A Jewish prophet told the people of Israel, a virgin will give birth to a son and people will call him Emmanuel. They will recognize that this is God with us. 550 years before Jesus. And when Jesus lived, people were without a shadow of a doubt that something radically different uh, was manifest in Jesus. When he spoke, they said, we've never heard anyone ever speak like this. He speaks with authority. When he spoke to the wind and the waves, the wind and the waves obeyed. When he spoke to the dead, they rose. And when his disciples saw him command the wind and the waves, they were terrified of him, not the wind and the waves. It says they were greatly terrified when they saw him command the wind and the waves. Indeed, Jesus showed himself to be God among us. He did the most ridiculous, amazing, crazy thing. That is, God took on flesh and became a human being. He walked among us. That's why people call it, theologians call it incarnate Khan is in carnivorous, in the flesh. God took on skin and became a human being. Now, when we say God with us, 
let's be clear, it's not in the sense of, well, God's with us over here, not with you over there, as if God was in favour and support of my political agenda or my personal preferences or my personal program and not yours. God with us means God is with humanity, humankind, every single one of us. He walked, he injected himself into human, um, human, the human condition and showed us God. This glorious, holy, majestic, compassionate, and sometimes terrifying God stepped into our human history himself. And the whole Bible story, as I mentioned before, is about the loss of that presence of God. Well, now here, the presence of God has broken into our lives. Our terrible, terrestrial, tragic lives now God has broken into it, our lives. And today, God can break into your life. The end of the Bible story is of God's people once again gathered around him in the new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, the new city of God, where we are gathered around God and no longer afflicted by the troubles of this terrestrial life together with the transcendent God. That was Jesus, God in the flesh. In Bunnings, there's a guy, there are two guys who are taller than me. And um, when you're reasonably tall, you notice other people who are really tall because they appear to be giants. But they're not actually giants, they're just the same height as you and you're not looking down. All of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, how... Who are you? Anyway, there's two guys in Bunnings. One of them stoops, um, so I never really notice him. But the other one is this guy who stands very, very tall like this, and he has a big, confident voice. And uh, he's very aware of himself, I think. And I'm even more aware of him than he is, I think. Because you can just kind of feel his presence when he's around you, this looming guy. He's taller than me with his big voice. Um, but as far as I'm aware, there's no prophecy written about the man from Bunnings. There is a prophecy about God becoming, uh, becoming a human being. That is Jesus Christ. And Jesus didn't make his presence found, uh, or, or he didn't make his presence um, made by having good posture and a confident voice. Jesus made his presence, his divinity uh, made known by commanding, by speaking with the authority of God, by performing miraculous wonders that people recognize only God could do that. He came, he manifested God to us, and he saved us from our sins. Now, I have no idea what your life is like, uh, whether it's good, wonderful, difficult, uh, up and down, torturous, terrific, I'm not sure. But what your life could be like if you know God, is thoroughly transcendent, no longer troubled by the turmoil and the the tragedy of the terrestrial. You could be walking with God because of Jesus. I want to invite you today to count yourself as one of his people, the people that Jesus says, I've come to save. He's come to save his people from their sins. Why don't you count yourself among those people today? Say, yeah, I'm a sinner. 
but God sent his son to save me. That's all you need to do. You just need to count yourself among those people. It's not difficult, except for the humbling of yourself. That's the only difficult part. If you do that, then God promises the beauty, the power, the majesty, and yes, sometimes the terror of knowing God will be yours. God will be with you as he is with us in Emmanuel. I pray that today you would mark this day as a unique day. Jesus came with a unique mission and a unique nature. Make this day a unique day, the 18th of December, 2022. The day when you counted yourself among God's people and stepped into a relationship with God himself and all that that means. May it be true for all of us. Amen.